Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. It is Friday, August 11th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what a great week uh, we have had. I sure appreciate all the interaction that I've had with some of our listeners and the great folks at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia. Uh, very productive week. You know, I'm working on my latest book, uh, should be out soon, and uh, just really made a lot of headway on that. And uh, just uh, just love, you know, love you guys and thankful to the Lord for a great week. We've had some great podcasts uh, this week, and we're not done yet because today I've got uh, my good friend and colleague and our kind of resident technologist, you might say, uh, Shane, with us to talk about the double-edged sword of technology and tyranny, the double-edged sword of technology and tyranny. So we'll get to Shane here in just a moment, but I want to remind you, be sure and check out notbyworks.org on the resources tab on the left. You can see uh, podcasts there. Uh, and uh, we have some great ones this week. Uh, we did another Q&A on Monday with episode five of Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions. And then Tuesday, uh, our podcast, Things That Can Never Undo the Believer's Salvation. I am still uh, getting feedback from that. I got a, a lengthy email today from someone. It's just so hard for people to understand how works have absolutely no bearing on our salvation. And people are saying, well, Aren't you going to be encouraging, uh, you know, uh, Christians to sin by telling them that they can't lose their salvation? I mean, that's a bit like saying, uh, you know, telling people on a cruise ship if, you know, where the life preservers are is going to make them go grab one and jump off into the ocean. You know, grace does not promote sin. Grace covers sin. And, um, you know, the fact is, uh, people that have the Spirit of God within them, they are believers. Uh, they may still sin if they quench that Spirit and grieve that Spirit and close off to that Spirit and instead follow the flesh and follow uh, their own uh, eyes instead of walking by faith. And so, uh, absolutely, uh, sin is destructive. It's terrible. It will absolutely, uh, you know, cause problems in the life of God's people. But it cannot undo our salvation, nor can it disprove our salvation. And the folks that seem to be troubled the most by what we talked about on Tuesday are those who just seemed in the grips of a works-based salvation where somehow it turns it into a contract, and they just can't imagine how anybody could really be a Christian uh, if they were living like that. And so I get these emails from people, my son this, or my friend this, or I know someone who's this. You're not telling me they're a Christian, are you? Well, I don't know. I don't know these people. They All I'm telling you is... Um, whether or not they're a Christian has nothing to do with their current behavior at the moment, no matter how abhorrent it is. If they've trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, they're going to heaven because that's what the Bible tells us quite plainly 160 times we have to do, and there are no asterisks. So uh, if you're living in sin and you're a believer, stop it. <laughs> you need to listen to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in your life and uh, change your mind about that sin and begin to recognize the blessings of obeying God. You know, God's Word says that uh, being a doer of the Word is what brings blessings. And when you fall in love with Christ all over again and walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh, it just brings you to a whole new level of abundant life like we've talked about. But uh, if you uh, cater to the flesh, it does not mean uh, you're going to hell. So uh, anyway, I, sorry for that little side rant there, but uh, I just it's amazing how 
people just don't understand grace. It is absolutely 100% free, no strings attached. If it's not free, it's not grace. If it's not grace, it's not free. That's what the Bible says. Tuesday night was prophecy night. We had another great Q&A there, talked about Nephilim and uh, the Genesis creation account, and uh, we debunked the gap theory. Wednesday was our world events update with Randy. Uh, I hope you guys love Randy as much as I do. He always does a great job just, uh, uh, you know, causing me to uh, just go bananas as I think about all the stuff that he's uh, pointing out, but it drives me to the Word of God. I hope it does you too. Uh, Nathan was on yesterday, Nathan Jones. We talked about the mighty angels of Revelation. Uh, another great discussion with him. And tomorrow, don't forget, we close out the week on Saturday with another preparedness episode talking about how to prepare for a natural disaster. So, But today, uh, uh, glad to have Shane with us talking about the double-edged sword of technology and tyranny. I want to read a passage of scripture real quick to kind of set the tone. Uh, as I said, I'm working on my latest book, Spirit of the False Prophet, and uh, I was in Second uh, Peter earlier today, and uh, I want to read this passage beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2. Peter says, there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. It's amazing to me that even in this... Uh, at present age, we see the uh, proliferation of false prophets and false teachers, and not only from outside, as we saw in Israel's history, but like Israel experienced as well, within the body of God's people as well. And in this days, they're in these days, they're kind of uh, creeping into the church from all directions. And you know, I found that you know Christians sometimes can be some of the most susceptible, honestly, to some of the Luciferian uh, tricks and and the uh, you know the things that they're doing to uh, uh, to try to lead us astray, and um, in particular, this lack of discernment uh, that I talked about last uh, Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel is a real problem. And one of the reasons we do what we do here uh, at uh, Not By Works is to try to help Christians gain more discernment by getting into uh, the Word of God. Um, you know, Christians are easy targets uh, because by and large, we've drifted away from the Lord and from studying His Word. All, all, you know, all Scripture, Paul says, is profitable uh, so that uh, we can become mature or complete, he says there in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 or 17, I think it is. And, um, you know, as mature believers, we're able to recognize deception and, and the dangerous behavior that it leads to, um, but uh, immature believers are not. So I hope as, you, as we go through our podcast today and talk about some of the rapidly changing tools of technology, uh, you know, Shane's already given me a sneak peek at what we're going to be talking about today. And I got to tell you, I'm just... Uh, was just like, wow. I mean, my mouth was agape. I just can't believe some of the stuff that's happening. And it, it's it's right out of uh, the types of things that the, the Antichrist and false prophet will use to control the world. So the stage is very, very much 
uh, being set. But uh, the double-edged sword of technology and tyranny. Shane, thanks so much for taking your valuable time to be with us. Can't wait to to dive into this uh, to this subject. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, you've picked out several key uh, advancements or news items related to technology that uh, are relevant for our discussion. So, uh, so fire away. Yeah. So let me let me put a uh, little bit of a wrapper around uh, what I'm going to start doing here. Um, I just in listening to uh, you know, especially your podcast with Randy. Um, at you know, you I noticed even when Randy had some tough news to present. Um, you always look for that positive side to it. And um, so I decided, okay, I'm going to start um, putting all of these uh, news articles that we're talking about, these developments into three categories, green, yellow, and red, right? Green looks like a great application of the technology. Yellow, you know, could be good, could be bad. It depends. And then the red are those that we're really concerned about. So um so the tough thing for, for, for this session is I don't have any greens. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just don't, I'm not saying they're not out there, but I just uh, didn't come across any for this, uh, for this episode. So the first one we're going to talk about, and this is the uh, yellow one, uh, only have one yellow, the rest are red. Um, and it's this question of can AI read your mind? Mm. And, and so I know right now this sounds like it's science fiction. It's something that's a, a really a futuristic technology, but uh, it's not a futuristic technology. Um, it's been being worked on for decades and decades, not necessarily with AI behind it. Um, there've been a variety of different technologies used to try to read what our brains are doing and then decipher um, meaning from that. And so this is an experiment that was published, I think over a year ago, it was, it was last year. So this isn't something very cutting edge. It's not the things that we've been uh, talking about, the new developments in the last few months. So again, this is over a year old. Um, they had a AI using a um, technology that can scan brains and were able to predict with 73% accuracy the word somebody was thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been other systems out there that um, have been able to do that for images, basically recreate with, you know, I don't know exactly how you'd measure it here, but with, with enough reliability that you could tell what the person was thinking. Um, I've actually even seen that done with animals. They would show animals a picture, an image, and scanning their brains, able to decipher a crude depiction of what that animal was looking at. So, like I said, we're getting into a, a, you know, a brand new area here where AI can work through all these different permutations of the data that the machine is receiving from the brain scans and will be able to improve this accuracy way beyond anything we've seen. So, so again, year ago, 73% accuracy. Unreal. So I know you're gonna you're gonna have to 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 flesh out this this yellow designation a little bit more for me and and probably for some of our listeners because my mind goes immediately to the nefarious you know Luciferians and how they're going to use it. But what you're saying is basically someone using a using technology can read our minds. Am I am I overstating it? Yeah, it's you know it's not a, a casual thing. You have to have this. Uh... 
um, piece of equipment. You know, they call it MAG for short. Let me see if I can pronounce this. Magnetoencephalography. Hmm. Um, so it's, you know, so it's not a, it's not a casual technology, right? It's, um, and this is at the very beginning stages of this kind of work. But at some point, I can assume, because we've seen it in so many other areas, that uh, new advances in being able to scan brains, especially if there's some sort of brain-computer interface. But again, this is not something intrusive like a brain-computer interface. Uh, this is scanning from the outside. So as this becomes smaller and, and, and more widely available and the technology, the training data gets better, uh, the AIs will be able to predict things better and better with you know, probably every passing week as they continue to train on more and more data, um, this accuracy is going to go through the roof. And so the, so yeah, the, the, the concerning applications are, are there, you know, what can the government do, right? What, you know, what happens to uh, uh, unreasonable searches and seizures with this kind of technology? How, how are some of those constitutional rights still active here? The good side and why this is in the yellow and not the red is you can also easily see where people with certain medical conditions, maybe a stroke, um, maybe they have a condition where they're locked inside their body and they can't communicate normally. If they could, you know, just think things and communicate, that would be a huge blessing to those people and to their families, right? There's good things here. But again, it's that application of it. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to see pluses and we're going to see some minuses. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously that, that, that certainly does have an application for, for people in, in those uh, situations, but it's just hard to see how, you know, knowing the, the Luciferian elite and what their plan is and working at the behest of Satan, it's hard to see how they would not, you know, leverage this type of um, technology to, to just to be really able to, uh, you know, actually read your mind. But and not only that, they wouldn't even really have to because, you know, no, nobody's going to understand the technology or understand the equipment or, or, or so forth. So all they have to do is say, well, this machine says you thought this. Yes. And, and then so that, you know, they're deceptive. They're liars. You know, Satan's a liar. And so are all of his minions. And so I don't know, there, there's some pretty uh, stark uh, and dark, I might add, uh, implications of this, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, and, and you know that I love science fiction because I think soft and it's uh, it's very prescient as to where our culture is going to head. And so I think of the pre-crime idea that uh, Philip K. Dick came up with, where there was in this future society, um, these um, these people that happened to be who had the ability to see the future and they would dispatch the police to arrest you before you did something based upon them seeing you doing it in the future. Well, so what if we had an application of this where the government is scanning your thoughts? Um, you know, that sort of situation. Um, and maybe they take action on you based on not what you've done, but what you've thought. You know, Orwell spoke of the thought crimes. Mm -hmm. This is with with you know with enough technology advancement, you know, it's not it's not here today, let's be real clear. But um where in the future you could be persecuted for what you're thinking. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, no shortage of Hollywood productions based on that theme. I think one was even based on uh, Philip K. Dick's book. Uh, and then there's a new series that uh, Wendy and I just watched. Uh, I don't even remember what uh, streaming service it was on, but it was a you know limited series, eight parts or something uh, where that was the whole premise, you know, that uh, they created this uh, technology that tracked everything and using AI was able to predictively determine whether you were going to commit a crime and then uh, come arrest you, not because you did something, because but because the machine thought you might do something. And so, and there've been several shows like that, even on, you know, uh, traditional network television. So um, yeah, interesting. So, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you because you're the expert that this is yellow uh, to me, it's more of a burnt orange at best, but uh, we'll 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 leave it in the yellow camp because it can be used in a benevolent way to help people that are you know their motor skills are impaired. Um, yeah. But if that's the good news today on this show, I can't imagine where we're going from here. Well, so this next one um, came from an MSN article. So, and the reason I'm pointing out where this one came from is it's got a very broad audience. Okay, this isn't uh, in some sort of research journal online. This is, you know, uh, just just for the masses. And it was an article titled "The AI Nanny in Your Baby's Future," and so it was really a look at the reality of of what I've said in the past. There's going to be pervasive AI. It will be everywhere, and you can easily see like this article suggest it's going to be in those toys that are purchased for for babies for children young kids all of that and so what happens when ai systems play a bigger role in the development and raising of our children through these toys and services and devices and everything else um oh. and and it's just something really interesting to think about there've already been a few toys that i've seen advertised not many because the technology was so new and the toys were very expensive, but you know, little robots and other, uh, again, other toys that had some sort of large language model behind them so it could understand what the kid was saying and then communicate. Um, but this is going to be built into every, just about every toy um, in the very near future. And so what happens, and again, this is speculation, but what happens when we have a generation of children who in those very, very critical developmental years have much less human interaction than previous generations, but much more AI interaction. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, what was the name of that article again? It's called The AI Nanny in Your Baby's Future. The AI Nanny in Your Baby's Future. I mean... Yes. You what you call interesting, I call creepy, uh, Shane. I mean, this is just first of all, I'm not sure we're going to uh, to to have a generation to see yeah. the effects of this. Honestly, I mean, I'm not setting dates here, but I just feel like, especially after what I've been researching and writing about this week um, for my book, I just can't tell you how much of a sense of foreboding that I have about how, how rapidly we're getting towards the end times. Now, of course, for believers, that means the blessed hope is even closer, and praise God for that. It's It, it truly is a blessed hope, and we're, we're going to see the Lord in the air and see all of our loved ones in that grand reunion in the sky. But uh, 
but but you're right let's say that the lord you know does not come back right away and or, or soon and so we live out our days and then just imagine what our children and grandchildren uh are going to be like when essentially we have unwittingly subcontracted out the raising of our children during their most formative years to to ai right absolutely and and uh, and, and by the way you know i, I use the word interesting and, and I think looking at that societal aspect, you know, if you kind of abstract it, it's interesting, but, but the prospect of a generation that is raised without that human contact norm that has been with us from the beginning, right? Since Adam and Eve, yeah. um, when that's taken away, it's, it's horrifying to think of what could happen. We've already seen in so much of culture, what happens when you don't have the traditional mom and dad raising the kids? Mm-hmm. Um, that has been hugely destructive to, to culture. This is an additional level um, that'll be placed on top of of uh, situations like that. So you, you might have a situation where there is an absentee parent and the one parent that's trying to raise the kids out of desperation leverages these AI technologies to help take care of the kids, raise the kids, pacify the kids, educate the kids. And what does that look like down the road? It, it, it does worry me. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've also seen just in recent years, the devastating effects of the COVID lockdowns on sure. social behavior and the increase in suicides. And, you know, God did not create mankind to live in a vacuum. He created us to be social beings and interact with others. And uh, that's why he was so clear to the children of Israel that they needed to not intermingle with and engage with the pagan lands around them and adopt their cultures, but instead to to you know to to work with one another and engage with one another. And of course, here we are, six thousand years into human history, and we've we've actually can, can scarcely tell the distinction between the world and and God's people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, this one is like fire engine red. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, never mind the social implications, but there's also the secretive aspect of it. It's one thing for them to explicitly say, hey, this is what we're dealing with. And for a a parent, as you said, in desperation to uh, intentionally subcontract, you know, the raising of their child out uh, through these tools and toys. But what about the secretive nature of it? I mean, you buy this toy and, um, you know, I I watched a... um, a documentary uh, yesterday, a couple of about an hour of it, uh, on the Cold War spying and the CIA and some of the t- you know techniques that they were using, and then it would also bring it up to now how how has that evolved today and what are we doing today? And it, they just outright said, you know, they talked about MK Ultra for example, and uh, and but they just outright said that anybody that carries a cell phone today is being tracked twenty four seven. So you know, it's one thing to for us to willingly just let ourselves be tracked in this, you know, planetary control grid. But when, when we buy our child a birthday present and, you know, this four, six, eight year old is playing, you know, innocently and quietly by himself or herself in the bedroom. uh, I don't know that any of us really want to think that big brother is watching, listening, tracking, you know, our children, do we? Yeah, but it's it's here, and and um, so many of us already do that because we give our children cell phones, mm. and everything about our kids is being studied. It's being 
turned into a commodity for data. Um, remember, these AI systems have to have volumes and volumes and volumes of data. As a matter of fact, the more data, um, the more powerful they become. The less data, the less powerful they are. Yeah. So, um, so that's absolutely a uh, a concern. And I, I can't remember if in one of our first episodes uh, we discussed this or not, but but something that really scared me, and it ties into this particular uh, article here on, on children being raised by AI. When I um, was first playing with, with, with large language models, and um, especially when, when ChatGPT came out, because it was just so easy to access and and uh and use and it was a great model um seeing how it could be that intermediary between people on one hand again had some great applications i believe i'd mentioned um, or, or if i didn't there's a, a ai researcher who was working with mentoring a young man who had a business uh, lawn care business and was functionally illiterate. He he could not communicate well with his customers, and that was going to have a big negative on his on his life, on his ability to make a living. And so, uh, this this researcher took, um, I believe I believe the one he used was ChatGPT, but he, he used it and hooked it up through a third party tool so that it could read this young man's emails. And so they gave an example here of. Customers saying, hey, I need you to come by to yard work next week on Tuesday for the sake of argument. And so it took his attempt at communicating, um, but was able, because it saw the way he communicated, uh, was able to train itself to to uh, reinterpret that and, and, and come up with a, or translate it is probably a better way to put it, into normal English and compose the email for him so that he could send it to the customer. Hmm. And so I thought, that's a great application. But then it made me think about, well, so again, project out, um, you know, a, a generation or two even. What happens when you have uh, kids that not only like this article, it's talking about were partially raised by AI or maybe even fully raised by AI um, in certain cases, and then all of their interaction with peers is through an AI system. We could see um, a radical de decline in, in, in children's ability to communicate using language. They would be dependent upon this AI intermediary to take whatever their communication abilities are and to put that into something that somebody else can understand. Yeah, and, and and that's exactly the goal from again looking at it from the cosmic battle between God and Satan and his his Luciferian uh, co-conspirators, they want to destroy language. And they're yeah. already on their way. That's what the whole social media and you know emojis and emoticons. I mean, I, it's almost the point now where when when somebody that's young texts me, I can't understand it. I need to get one of my children, uh, you know, my younger children to to interpret it for me. It's like, what does this mean? You know, I just don't understand it. So, and this is of course that same trajectory on, on steroids. But uh, I mean, you know, I tell you what, Shane, we, we started out with what I'm calling burnt orange, although you call it yellow. Now we're at fire engine red. And I know we've got several articles to go. 
I think for the sake of my heart, what I might need to do is I might need to connect you and Randy together. You guys can do your own podcast with each other, and I'll go have a bowl of ice cream or something because this is this, this is not this is not good. But to praise God, we know who wins in the end, and uh, it, it is important for us to to study this stuff and know this stuff. And by the way, back to the mind control or mind reading thing, I think I talked about in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, it might have just been in a conference message, but I remember researching this and commenting on it. Uh, And by the way, if folks haven't gotten those books, I know we're picking up new listeners all the time, which by the way, that story you told about the young man with his lawn business, I think you have told that before several months ago, but because we've got new listeners, I I wanted you to say it again. But um, if you haven't read Spirit of the Antichrist, go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can check out both books there. Uh, but I remember uh, talking about a futuristic view or futuristic you know, concept that is right around the corner, they say, where if a writer wants, if someone wants a writer to write, say, an op-ed in a, in a magazine or, or a newspaper, uh, they could just send them an email and say, you know, hey, uh, here's what you, we want you to write about. That person would carve out time to go sit in their chair simply think through the concepts of what they want to say, never put pen to paper or fingertips to keyboard. And just from their thoughts, the agency that solicited their work would be able to read their thoughts and transfer that into a, an article. I mean, yes. that that's pretty freaky stuff. Yeah. It's, we are really getting into an AI kind of world mm. and you know, just to take the, the, the example you just gave, um, saw an article. This is out of CNN. Um, there's a lady named Jane Friedman. She's an author and a consultant to writers, okay, to the publishing industry. And so she found recently on Amazon books that purported to be written by her, uh, published in her name, but she had no involvement with them being sold. Um, and it had the um, uh, titles like she would, you know, in the areas she would write about, wasn't about something, you know, far off topic for like cooking or, or something like that, right? It pertained to her other books written by AIs and um, it imitated her style. It absolutely imitated her style. So, of course, Amazon, you know, when she reported it, took the books down, but we are entering that uh, that place where when certain technologies come together, we can absolutely have that kind of situation to where um, maybe there's a, a uh, and again, a lot of speculation here, but maybe there's a package I have uploaded that is a bunch of brain scans. Um, and it's really kind of my personality, my thoughts, the way I put words together, things of that. And this could be downloaded and interacted with, and you could have a conversation with me in a way, but I'm not there. I'm not involved. It's all being done by AI. Um, and, you know, and, and I know that sounds like it's uh, just some sort of crazy science fiction idea. But, you know, we've also recently had in the saw this in the last uh, year, uh, the actor Bruce Willis, of course, has that neurological condition and isn't able to act any longer. But apparently he has signed a contract with a company that will take his his voice um, his likeness, all of these things, his mannerisms, digitize them and will be a 
an asset that other companies could use if they wanted Bruce Willis in their movie. Um, they would have all that data they needed to be able to have a virtual Bruce Willis, a CGI Bruce Willis, in the movie. Mm. Um, so this is not as science fiction as we might think. Yeah, it all comes down to uh, counterfeits and imposters and lying. You know, Satan is perpetrating a big lie, a gl massive global lie, and he's been doing it incrementally over time. But we're, yep. we're fast, you know, approaching the age where it's not going to be difficult at all to see how after the rapture, the Antichrist can get the whole world to worship him and think he's God because he can replicate just about anything. I mean, going back to the example of the author, I mean, it's one thing for some opportunist to try to make a quick buck by, you know, throwing together a, a book or whatever and putting the author's name on it and putting it out there. And a few unwitting dupes might buy it. But before long, everyone's going to go, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like that author. This is a fraud, you know, same thing in in, in the art world. I mean, art fraud has been around for centuries. Um, and uh, and it's gotten really, really good even before AI. But generally, you know, an expert's going to be able to look at this and go, uh, this is not a Van Gogh or, you know, this is not a whatever. Uh, but with AI, going back to this author, you know, they were able to actually replicate her style. I mean, people would read it and go, yeah, this sounds like the other 10 books of hers that I've read. Uh, her style and, and everything. And of course, it wasn't. It was somebody uh, trying to cheat and, and, and imitate it. So the ultimate imitation is going to be the Antichrist uh, imitating Christ. And of course, the unholy trinity is God is replicating and, and imitating God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Satan will be the, the lead part of that unholy trinity. Uh, and I talk about this in the new book, uh, Satan, uh, that the Antichrist will be the one that is uh, representing him on earth. In fact, I believe indwelt by Satan uh, in the same way that God represented the glory of, of God. I mean, Christ represented the glory of God on earth. And then the Holy Spirit is drawing people to Christ. That's the false prophet's role in this unholy trinity. He's going to draw people to the Antichrist and get them to worship him and be his biggest cheerleader. And so it's all a big sham. It's bogus. It's counterfeit. Uh, and that's why the name of this character that I'm I'm writing about right now in, in Scripture, is the false prophet. He is the apex of all false prophets, uh, and there's no shortage of them throughout history, uh, and, but you know they all kind of coalesce around this ultimate deception in the end. And so, yeah, that's why we're calling today's show the double-edged sword of technology and tyranny. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, things can be used uh, for positive, benevolent, means and and we all are blessed by technology we're using it right now to be able to record this podcast um but boy um i mean uh, i can't imagine what else is on your list so so with great trepidation i will throw the microphone back to you so here's one and the more i think about it, i put it in the red um and was just thinking about what's my bias here and, and putting it in the red it probably belongs in the yellow category here but it's um, the fact that AIs are helping to design antibodies for medicine. Um, so there's a company in the UK. Um, it's been around for a little bit. I, I want to say it's 2012 when it started called Lab Genius. And uh, it's in, of course, the, the medical field. And they are using AI to, des to design antibodies to fight diseases. And so 
is that actually that 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 piece there that's making me reconsider my red uh coloring here it's probably a yellow so again um you know we've talked in the past about how ai can be used for good things in the medical world um and this could be a, a good tool here right if they're able to design safe um you know antibodies to fight off you know cancer maybe something like that um why what what concerned me here though is the um the lack of of time we have in using tools like this to design uh, things that could be very, very powerful in our bodies, uh, could, could cause healing or could cause great damage. Um, so that's that's my concern here. Admittedly, um, with all the, the problems with the mRNA vaccines that uh, were, were pushed on us in recent years, that has definitely colored how I'm interpreting this article. Like I said, it could be some good things, but, but, uh, wow. Um, yeah, the, I mean, I mean, but of course, thankfully, uh, you know, the government would never, uh, you know, uh, release to the public technology or medical abilities that are not safe and effective. Right. I mean, they're going to sure. do thorough, many, many years of testing and make sure before they just start putting them in their bodies. Yeah. Wow. I mean, AI antibody antibodies. That's uh, yeah, we, wow. we are that's going to movie. see more and you're going to see medicines, you know, maybe a new uh, uh, form of penicillin or penicillin uh, being developed or some sort of other antibiotic um, that is that does not uh, that, that is able to be used against the resistant strains of different bacteria, hmm. for example. We, you know, we, we could see some good things there. Um, it, it's going to be some of these other uh, aspects that really interact with our uh, our immune system that concern me. So, mm. Mm. so yeah, there's going to be some good, but but wow, um, if there's a miss, it could be really really bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll take your word for it. You're you're the expert, um, but I'm I'm really feeling compelled to uh, to take the yellow crayon out of your crayon box at this point because okay. uh, everything everything seems to be uh, have this undertone of uh, just uh, evil uh, behind it. But uh, all right, what's next on the list? All right, and this this is one that's going to impact people. So we we're we're all aware and have been aware for a long time with the different types of scams out there to try to get you to either give up personal information maybe even something sensitive like uh, banking information uh credit card information you name it and and we, and we've all become familiar with the term phishing emails and that's ph okay and it's um emails that are crafted to uh manipulate you into giving over information that the attacker wants. The most common thing right now is an email where you click it and to view the document, view the picture, whatever the, the scam is, it looks like you have to log into your email provider. And it may present a fake login screen for whatever that provider is. You put in your credentials, they now have it. Hmm. Um, so, um, and there's other ones where they try to manipulate you into, uh, like for businesses, doing wire transfers to the scammer. They impersonate somebody, take over their 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 business email account, and uh, because of the research they've done, they know who the other executives are, and try to manipulate them into making a payment um, to a you know a unassociated third party scammer. 
So there's a, a version of GPT out called Worm GPT, and it is a malicious AI. So what they've done is they've taken a large language model, um, one of the publicly available ones, and have taken off any safety mechanisms. What I mean by safety mechanisms is most large language models know that when you ask for instructions on how to build a bomb, it's going to say, I can't do that. Um, it will it will try to stop get from giving that information to users. Well, that has um, been removed from this version of GPT. Moreover, the training data, it's been trained very specifically on how to create malicious software, how to write computer viruses, how email scams work, and so forth. And then it's being used to generate these phishing emails, these scam emails that are designed to manipulate you into taking some sort of action they want. Like I said, again, usually it's, it's normally giving you access to accounts by thinking you're signing into that account. Um, but what's so different here is with Worm GPT is what it's being called. Worm as in like the little bug crawling in the soil. Worm GPT uh, can not only generate and send those emails, but it can respond to them. And that is incredibly dangerous. So AI's ability to, to detect, track and detect uh, a subtle change over time, um, the AI eventually will be able to figure out what motivates you and to adjust those scam emails a little bit at a time to, to get past your defenses, to get past you know whatever... Uh, security training you've had to to resist falling for scams like this and will eventually be able to trick a significant percentage of people. So this so, is concerning. Yeah, it is concerning. Uh, so just to clarify, obviously, Worm GPT is a black market product, right? It's not something yes. that when AI is like, you can go to their website and purchase Worm GPT, right? Right. It's a service. It costs $500 to have a lifetime of access to Worm GPT, but wait, so so it's not a black market thing. It's actually you can purchase it. Well, it's it's a dark web product. Okay, a dark web. Yeah, but, okay. but it, it, it's a business model. It's a subscription business model, and so how they're going to make their money is, let's say, you and I decided to become scammers. We could, for five hundred dollars, get a lifetime license to it, and and use it as a back end for our ability to create these scam emails and to have it working for us. You know, we're out doing whatever else and Worm GPT is actively creating emails, studying responses, crafting new emails, and just working its way through a list of victims. So, so it's, it's passive income for evil actors that are out there, you know, yes. when you say how they make their money, you mean whoever is on the dark web selling this, right? Yeah, this is not an open AI product, right? No, oh, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. There, there's, you know, it, I, I believe the very first time I came on, on your show to talk about AI, um, I was very intentional in describing chat GPT as a product. Okay. Um, and, and there's lots of products out there. So this is based upon that, that same kind of architecture as what open AI has with chat GPT. Um, it's it's a different technology, but they accomplish very similar uh, similar goals. It's not as sophisticated as what OpenAI has, but 
for this kind of application, it's very capable. Yeah, and and you know, uh, they're they are already getting more sophisticated, even in the traditional sense of phishing scams. Um, uh, because I know I, lately I'm beginning to think I must be the luckiest guy in the world because every day it seems like we get an email from someone who won the lottery and wants to give half of the money to Not by Works yeah. Ministries. And uh, so, uh, but you know, those are you know, you can usually spot those a mile away. But what you're saying is with this uh, with this new nefarious worm GPT. Uh, it's going to be harder and harder to, to to keep from getting snared. Absolutely. So, you know, so I'm guessing uh, a good campaign by a scammer here would first, of course, have a recon phase. That's pretty standard in any kind of, uh, of cyber attack or even a physical attack, right? You need to know what you're up against. So, so maybe what it does, it doesn't start off it being the worm GPT or other tools. There'll be other ones out there. Um, it starts generating emails to see what kind of links I'm likely to click, you know, where my biases, my likes are. And so maybe it finds that, um, um, you know, 80% of the time I will click on a link that talks about funny animal videos. <laughs> um, and, but I, but I never click on a link that talks about, um, healthcare plans. And so it will build a model of, of what I'm likely to do and not likely to do that's relevant to, you know, to the scam. And so then once it has enough information on me, enough data, it can then start crafting those emails that I'm much more likely to click on because if it can't get me to click on the email, there's no chance of success. Right. Right. So it will, it will fine tune through trial and error uh, and that recon phase, what I'm likely to do and then exploit that. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, so that's just another another tool uh, to get people, um, you know, to harm people deceptively. Yep. Um, what's next? Well, so so the last one I want to talk about, and, and I'm sure you've seen this in the news in the past week, Zoom, the company we're using to, to do this, uh, uh, this interview with. And they're probably I don't know if they're still the largest, but, you know, they're, they're you know, maybe right behind Microsoft. Um, when it comes to this market share of video teleconferencing, a huge company, they just updated their terms and conditions that um, says that if you continue to use this service, you give them permission to train their AI models on what you're doing, um, stuff you put in the chat on Zoom, the things we say and so forth. Um, they are going to train their AI systems on us on how we talk, how we do everything. And and the and that's concerning by itself, but I'm also pretty sure, I haven't uh, dug into it deep enough here, but we see this over and over again, that same data that they collect from us, they will sell to other parties. So we might think we have a private conversation right now using Zoom. You know, they'll talk about their encryption and so forth, um, but, because of, you know, that encryption is good against other people, right, outside parties, but Zoom can actually intercept everything before it's encrypted, run it through their AI systems, uh, collect that data, and then, you know, use it to profit. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, there's going to be probably some good things that come out of this kind of AI capability in tools like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. 
but the uh, the risk to our privacy can't be overstated. Yeah, well, you you know, some people may assume that their conversation on Zoom is private. I've never assumed that just because I know technology enough to know that it's always anything digital is trackable. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware of that. And that's why, you know, whenever I do uh, interviews, uh, a lot of the interviews that we do are using Zoom because it's, you know, the voice over IP creates a, a richer uh, audio sound. Uh, even if it's not a video recording, it's a it's it makes for a better podcast. Uh, and I knowing that I'm being listened to and tracked, I always, you know, frequently anyway, will try to remind Satan that he's a great big loser, that he's lost this battle. He has no hope that he's just kicking against the goads. Uh, and, uh, you know, we we like to remind him of that, not in a sense of poking the bear, but just in a sense to just be confident of 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 who we are in the Lord. And especially in times like this, after, you know, hearing some of the things coming down the pike here technologically, you know, we just need to to rest in the goodness of the Lord. I'm reminded of King David's words in Psalm 27, one of my favorite Psalms, uh, certainly in my list of my top three. Uh, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So let me just stop there for a second. I mean, that's where we're headed. We are headed toward a glorious kingdom age when Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, uh, the Lamb of God, our Savior, comes back, takes the throne, rules over an entire world that is finally righteous and just and beautiful, and sin is kept largely in check, and God's people are worshiping the Lord. They can come up to the house of the Lord. Uh, they, they can, uh, you know, it's just going to be a glorious time, and we're getting ever so close to the fulfillment of that kingdom age that the, the Old and New Testament alike talk so much about. But then David goes on to say in the very next verse, Psalm 27, verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And I got to say, Shane, even though it sounds like, especially with some of these news items that you covered, that we are at the mercy of technology and AI, um, you know, and, and how easily that's going to be used to usher in the tyrannical one world system, uh, we are simply... Uh, a prayer away from resting in the goodness of the Lord. We know that the Lord protects those uh, whom He loves. He's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor you know His children begging bread. I talked Tuesday night about Psalm 91, an anonymous psalm, where it says, "He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And so Satan needs to be reminded that he cannot get to God's children. You know, we are uh, secure. Uh, we are protected. He may harm the body, uh, and, and many believers have suffered the ultimate persecution of martyrdom. Uh, but again, for believers, death is simply the golden key that unlocks the riches of eternity. It, it's, it's nothing. Death has no power over us whatsoever. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave when he died on the cross. And so uh, we need not fear death. We need not fear suffering. Uh, we want to be wise. We want to prepare for it. We want to think about these things. Uh, and I hope in the future a podcast, if the Lord doesn't come back before our next time together, uh, that we can maybe talk a little bit about, you know, when do we reach that line of, of actually 
unplugging. I mean, uh, you know, obviously uh, I'm the worst, I'm, I'm guilty of it more than anybody of using technology uh, to further the gospel and not always in such a magnanimous, you know, spiritual uh, purpose. Sometimes it's just convenience. Let's be honest. I use technology like everybody else because it's convenient. Um, but at what point as this thing rapidly spirals out of control, do we have to say it's the the bad outweighs the good? So tuck that one away um, and we can talk about that uh, uh, that in the future. But any any thoughts on that or any closing thoughts here, Shane? Yeah. And, and I do want to be clear. It Zoom is not the only one doing this. Um, I, I think every major service, if they're not doing it already, um, will uh, will be doing it in the very near future. And by very near future, um, before we get into next calendar year, next calendar year, it's it's going to be in everything. Um, possibly even your cell phone, your yeah. phone calls. So, yeah, well, I, you know, it is the, the old frying pan, you know, uh, fryer t- type situation. You know, so many people get become aware of some nefarious agenda with either a technology or a service or an application or even a store like, you know, Target or whatever. And they say, I'm never going to do that. And they jump over here into this other one. And they don't realize that the Luciferian tentacles run deep. And it, it's really next to impossible to try to completely untether yourself from anything that isn't tainted with Satan's uh, ultimate agenda. But, uh, but you know, still, that, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And I applaud people that like to take those uh, stands. I'm just a little more cynical. Uh, so I, I certainly do understand that Zoom is not the only offender in this regard. But uh, Shane, man, thank you so much. What a great discussion. I hope folks will spread this around, send it to others by link. You can get to our podcast on any podcast provider, Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, Podbean, you name it. Uh, Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, just search for Not By Works Ministries. Um, And of course, you can always get directly to it from notbyworks.org, our our main hub, our main website for all of our videos and podcasts. But um, I I mentioned a moment ago some encouraging words for believers, but I I want to also sound a, a, a very important warning to those of you that may not know the Lord. Because uh, all of these signs of the times indicate we're getting closer and closer to the end of the age, the time when uh, Bible prophecy is going to begin to unfold and be fulfilled. And uh, and if you don't know Jesus, uh, today's the day to do that. Don't put that off. Um, you know, the Bible says we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to the earth to save mankind from our sins. He uh, took uh, all of our sins upon him died on the cross, rose again the third day, and having defeated, as I said a moment ago, death, hell, and the grave, he now offers freely to all the gift of eternal life. You can't earn it. It's not about how much you're willing to do or promise to do. Uh, it's not how. It's not about making a commitment to God and saying, oh, I'm going to follow you from now on, or I'm turning my back on all these bad things and I'm going to be good. It's simply about faith. Who are you trusting uh, right now. It's hard to know who to trust, isn't it? As we just talked about with so many counterfeits out there, but you can count on God. He's the real deal. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So trust in him, uh, not your good works, not your religion, not anybody else, but in Jesus, and he will give you the free gift of eternal life. So thanks again, Shane. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, let us know if we can help with anything. Thanks so much for your encouraging email and support. And uh, don't forget tomorrow, Saturday, we've got uh, 
uh, Randy back on, uh, and we're going to talk about how to prepare for a natural disaster. So have a great rest of the day, everyone. God bless.